Olds if he hardly ever drove it. If he had to drive at all, his dad preferred him in a tank. Zeke was so in love with the Olds that he kept it in the garage and rode the bus back and forth to school, and Mr. Stanley parked his seven-year-old Acura minivan at the end of the driveway. Officially, Zeke was only allowed to drive to the Good Earth Market, which his father liked, because it was close and had organic choices, and which Zeke also liked. It was practically the only thing he and his father agreed on, because he believed in staying small and locally owned and off the corporate grid, though his actual food tastes ran to mesquite-flavored corn chips and microwavable ramen. Zeke didn't notice the other shoppers looking down their rich, straight, suburban noses at what he and Lula bought. Probably theirs was the only household in which the Albanian girl let the American teen decide. Lula had cooked vegetables many times, but Zeke refused to eat them. Let his wife worry someday. After she and Zeke got back from the market, Lula mixed them each a mojito, a splash of alcohol in Zeke's, a healthy splash in her own, heavy on the sugar and mint. Zeke sat on a kitchen stool and watched Lula make dinner. Most nights, they ate pizza with frozen crust, tomato sauce from a jar, and mozzarella that, refrigerated, would outlive them both. Sometimes Lula unpeeled tiny ice-dusted hamburgers, which, steamed in the microwave, were surprisingly delicious, surprisingly like a street snack you could buy in Tirana. Bad food made Zeke feel rebellious, which every teenager needed. The better Zeke felt about himself, the more secure Lula's job was, and the likelier her chances of staying in this country, though Mr. Stanley and Don Setebello had made it clear that their helping Lula was not about her working for Mr. Stanley and being good for Zeke. And now, hooray, she was legal. Lula inhaled and shuddered, half at the shiny black Lexus still patrolling the block, the other half at her daily life, the life of an elderly person. Last night, like every weeknight, Lula and Zeke had eaten dinner in front of the TV. Lula made them watch the evening news, educational for them both. The president had come on the air to warn the American people about the threat of bird flu. The word avian was hard for him. His forehead stitched each time he said it, and his eyelids fluttered, as if he'd been instructed to think of birds as a memory prompt. At home, Lula marveled, that man is a god. You say that every night, Zeke said. I'm reminding myself, she'd said. Her country's love affair with America had begun with Woodrow Wilson, and Clinton and Bush had sealed the deal by bombing the Serbs and rescuing the Kosovar Albanians from Milosevic's death squads. Even at home, she'd had her doubts about the streets paved with gold. But when she finally got to New York and started working at La Changuita, the waitstaff had quickly straightened her out about the so-called land of opportunity. And yet, for all the mixed feelings shared by waiters and busboys alike, the strongest emotion everyone felt was the desire to stay here. Well, fine. In Lula's opinion, ambivalence was a sign of maturity. Yesterday night, as always, she'd felt sorry for the president, so like a dim little boy who told a lie that had set off a war. And then he'd let all those innocent people die in New Orleans, and now he was anxiously waiting to see what worse trouble he was about to get into. He seemed especially scared of the vice president, who scared Lula, too, with his cold little eyes not blinking when he lied, like an Eastern Bloc dictator, minus the poofy hair. There is no bird flu, Lula had told Zeke, 
A war in Iraq, Hurricane Katrina, sure. Maybe one chicken in China with a sore throat and a fever. But by then, the city police chief had appeared on the screen to announce that the alert level had been raised to code orange because of a credible terrorist threat against the New York subway system. Lula said, there is no threat. How do you know everything? Zeke asked. Not that I don't agree it's all bullshit. She'd been about to tell Zeke, again, about having grown up in the most extreme and crazy communist society in Europe, ruled for decades by the psycho dictator Enver Ogja, who died when Lula was a child, but not without leaving his mark. The nation was a monument to him, as were the 70,000 mushroom-like concrete bunkers he'd had built in a country smaller than New Jersey. But before she even had a chance to repeat herself, she'd been distracted by an advertisement for the new season of ER. Looks.